We can sing of his love and we can speak of his love forever, can't we? It's a great joy to do so. I just want to say thank you to Sweet Communion for just being gracious hosts. Um, they're being very gracious hosts today on top of a very busy week, and they work very, very hard with the, uh, the play the last couple of nights, and uh, they did a great job, and I'm very, very appreciative of the way God's gifted them and uh, just the way that they use those gifts um, in good ways. And uh, so thank you to, to all of you for your labor of love. I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 10. Christmas uh, has become many things to many people, and that was even talked about last night in Black and White Christmas. So as Christmas has become many things to many people, there are even good things about Christmas that we can celebrate together as believers. But most importantly, and ultimately as believers, we know that Christmas is a joyous celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. But this morning, who, who is this Jesus? It, it is an important question and a question that we want to consider this morning. We can find answers to that question anywhere in the Bible uh, because from beginning to end, the Bible points to Jesus. But this year at Grace Hill Church, we have decided to look at the seven I am statements of Jesus as found in the Gospel of John. Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And today, we look at chapter 10, verse 7, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, Dave read the first 21 verses of John 10 this morning. Thank you, Dave, for doing that. And we're going to focus as he mentioned, on the first 10 verses of this text. But to understand those verses, we have to understand what happened in chapter 9. There, John tells us about a man who was born blind. What happened with this man born blind is connected to our text for today because in chapter 21 of verse uh, uh, Verse 21 of chapter 10, when wrestling with the true identity of Jesus, some ask, can a demon open the eyes of a man born blind? And chapter 10 helps us to understand the identity of the one who gave sight to this blind man in chapter 9. So, who is this Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas? Now, consider chapter 9 just briefly with me this morning. Imagine the scene. A man who is born blind, and he is now an adult, could, could now see because Jesus gave him sight. 
And he is now walking among the people. And some looked at him and said, that, that's the man that was born blind. And others said, no, that's not him. It just looks like him. But this man, who was in fact born blind, but now could see, said, I, I'm the man. I'm the man. Right here, I'm the man. So they, they asked him, they came to him, and they asked him, who, who opened your eyes? And he said, Jesus opened my eyes. How, how did he do that, they asked. And he said, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and told me to wash in the pool of Siloam. And I did. And, and now I see. The Pharisees, doing what Pharisees often do, question this man. And they came to the conclusion that Jesus could not be from God because he, in fact, healed on the Sabbath. But others in their midst said, um, how could a man do such a thing? And there was a division among the Pharisees. So they asked the blind man who could now see, what, what do you say about this man? And the blind man who now sees says, said, he is a prophet. Now the Pharisees, the Pharisees could not believe that this man had been born blind until they questioned his parents. And the parents confirmed, this is my son, and yes, he, he was in fact born blind. But because they feared the Jews, they, they said, we, we don't know how he received the sight. So you can ask him, he's of age, he can speak for himself. And so for a second time, the Pharisees questioned a man who had been born blind. And they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And the man said, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They ask again for the man to explain what happened. And, and, the, and the man replied, I, I've told you already, and, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear again? Do, do you also want to become his disciples? And they, they mocked him and asserted that they follow Jesus, or they follow Moses because God had spoken to Moses, but they didn't know where this man comes from. And the man replied, I, I find this to be an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never, the man continued, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone, any man, has opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. <laughs> and in reply to that, the Pharisees 
declared. You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out of the synagogue. Certainly a very tragic thing. But the best part of the story is this, that Jesus sought this man, and Jesus found this man, and Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sirs, that I may believe in him? And Jesus answered, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. The man born blind that now sees replied, Lord, Lord, I believe. And the text says this man worshipped Jesus. Here, here is a man, here is a man who had received the most amazing, unexpected gift of all. He, he was given the ability to see. And this, after being born blind, and being blind his entire life. And tragically, when he was questioned by the Pharisees, he was kicked out of the synagogue. The synagogue was a place where the Jews would come to meet with God and to worship God. And this one who had experienced this work of God in his heart, the Pharisees came and they cast him out of the synagogue. Thankfully, Jesus again sought him out. <laughs> Jesus gave him not just physical eyes, but gave him spiritual eyes to see and gave him uh, a heart to believe Jesus, the Son of God. A and now... Knowing how the Pharisees treated the blind man, Jesus says in chapter 1 of, uh, says in verse 1 of chapter 10, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter this sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So this morning, Jesus wants you to consider a sheepfold. So what is a sheepfold or a sheep pen? Um, in the ancient Near East, shepherds would often lead their sheep out to green pastures during the day, but at nighttime they would return to a sheepfold or a sheep pen for the sheep's protection. Um, it would often be a stone wall and it would have a roof over a portion of that enclosed area uh, and this sheepfold is meant to provide shelter and protection for the sheep um, it would protect them from the elements storms that would come in it would also protect them from wild beasts that would want to kill them but but jesus says here in this text tragically that at times there would be thieves and robbers that break into the sheepfold to do harm um, these thieves and robbers would sneak over the fence or they would use force to enter into the sheepfold and steal the sheep. I had, I had the privilege of growing up in 
uh, inner city Philadelphia. I lived in a row house. Uh, our houses were butt right up against each other, and it was just block after block of houses uh, in rows. Um, in the front of the house, it was just the sidewalk and the street. And in the back of the house, there was like this three, four, maybe five-foot alley um, in the back of our house with a fence. And then we, on the other side of that fence was another alley, and on the other side of that fence was another house that faced the other direction. Um, I remember as a kid watching uh, one day two guys jump the fence and break into our neighbor's house in broad daylight broad daylight and I, I can remember as a little boy running inside and telling my parents and and they called the police uh, but I, I can remember running inside and peering I went up onto the second floor and I peered out the window and I could watch those guys break into the house and I could watch them grab things and, and take off and jump over the fence and leave and I can remember as a little boy being afraid I was afraid because they weren't supposed to be in the house. Uh, they broke in. Uh, they were not the owners of the house, but they forced their way into the house and against the owner's wishes and took things that did not belong to them. And they, in fact, had the ability to do a lot of harm to the owners if they so choose. A house is supposed to be safe, just like a sheepfold is meant to protect the sheep. But sometimes thieves and robbers break in. Fortunately, Jesus tells us that the shepherd enters the sheepfold properly to do good. Verse 2 says, but he who enters the door, enters by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, the true shepherd, the one who has the right to be there as the shepherd. The true shepherd of the sheep enters by the door. He doesn't jump over the fence and break in. The shepherd is the rightful owner of the sheep. He has a vested interest in the sheep. His job is to take care of the sheep. Verse 3 says, to him, the gatekeeper opens the gate. Often, in a village, one sheepfold would hold several flocks of sheep. And the, the gatekeeper knew the shepherd of the sheep who had the right to be their shepherd, who had the right to enter into that sheepfold. In fact, verse 3 and 4 continue. It says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. I, I find this to be really amazing, because within a sheepfold where several different flocks of sheep could be present, when, when the shepherd speaks, his own sheep listen and follow. In fact, verse 5 says, a stranger will not they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers um, when I was uh, when I've been in Romania over the last number of years I often see um, a lot of shepherds with their sheep in the field and 
you know, driving down the road, you try to take a picture from a distance, and you can kind of faintly see it off in the distance. And uh, it's it's really a fascinating thing to to see because we don't get a chance to see that too much here. And so, one of the years I was there, I mentioned to Pastor Benny that we served with over there, and I said, Benny, I I would love to get a picture of a shepherd with his sheep. So. Um, throughout the week, we had spent some time uh, traveling back and forth between his home and where we were doing some training. And he kept looking for uh, a shepherd with his sheep so that I could have a picture, but we couldn't find any. It was coming towards the end of the week, so he started taking some back roads. And on one occasion, we, we uh, came around this bend, and right in front of us was this flock of sheep. I thought, all right, this is great. I'm going to get a chance to have a picture of a flock of sheep with the shepherd. And so we pulled up next to this flock of sheep, and uh, sadly, there, there was no shepherd there. It was right next to a house, and so there was no, there was no shepherd. And I said, well, Benny, thank you, but I, I really want a shepherd with his sheep. And Benny says, well, I'll be their shepherd. So he got out of the van, and he, he walked across the, the lawn, and he started talking to the sheep. And you know what they did? They, they literally turned and ran from him. <laughs> and Benny got back in the van, and we thought about this passage, and we just got, uh, we laughed together, and, and, and we just, uh, this is a great, great picture. Um, a great picture of this stranger that they will not follow. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Now, Jesus was speaking to people who understood the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. They knew the danger and the threat of thieves and robbers. They were familiar with how a shepherd would do good for the sheep, not harm. They understood how Sheep listen and follow a shepherd. Not, not a stranger, but their shepherd. A shepherd would call them by name and lead them out and they'd follow. The, the sheep trusted the shepherd. The shepherd would care for them and protect them and lead them to green pastures and still waters. On, on another one of my trips to Romania, I was in a van and we were sitting at a gas station, and it was kind of in the center of this little village, and it was kind of a busy street. It was a bit, it was a, it was a T, and there was an intersection, and we were just sitting there, and and we were gassing up, and just kind of having some conversation. All of a sudden, I heard this noise out to my right, and I I looked, and I saw the most amazing thing. I saw a shepherd jogging rather briskly, and behind him were probably 125 or 150 sheep who were also running to keep up with the shepherd. Um, I, I found that to be really fascinating because most of the time you see a flock of sheep and a shepherd just kind of meandering through uh, a pasture. But here they're running, and they were running rather briskly down the middle of the road into a busy intersection. 
And the reason for that was that the shepherd knew where there was a green pasture. And it was a dangerous road, and so they couldn't be on the road too long. And so this shepherd was in front of the sheep, and he was running pretty briskly, and the sheep were following him, and they crossed over the, the, inter, the busy intersection, and they went through the embankment, and they went down into this pasture and began to eat green grass. I love that picture of the sheep trusting the shepherd, even this shepherd who was running through this busy intersection. The sheep followed him, and they went to a place where they had green pasture. That's a great picture. So those who heard Jesus understood the life of a shepherd with his sheep. But verse 6 says, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus was talking about a sheepfold and shepherds and sheep, and he was talking about those things to make a point, and they missed the point. And so in verse 7, we read, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. When Jesus says, truly, truly, he, he is about to say something that is particularly in, that is true and it is particularly important for you to hear. So he says, sit up and pay attention and don't miss what I am about to say. Jesus speaks plainly and directly to them and he says, I am the door of the sheep. And by saying I am, Jesus was intentionally pointing to the fact that he came from God. The, the Jews remembered how God revealed himself to Moses when he said, I am who I am. Jesus was talking about himself all along. He was revealing his identity. But he was also talking about the people that he cared for and the people that he protected. And he was, in fact exposing those who were impostors. In verse 8, uh, Jesus said, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So there, there were often men who claimed to be the Messiah and would gather a group of people to follow them. And the New Testament and the intertestamental period have records of of several and even numerous people who gathered a, a group to follow and they wanted to lead a revolt and would ultimately be defeated again and again. And here, I think, not only that, with that in mind, but I think Jesus is speaking about the Pharisees who claimed to speak for God to this man born blind. Certainly, the man born blind was harmed and harassed by the Pharisees, even though it was clear that he was a sheep. It became clear that he was a sheep. Um, they kicked him out of the synagogue, which was supposed to be the place where they, he could meet with God and worship God. But, but even though he was, this man born blind, even though he was a young sheep, you, you sense that he was recognizing that 
What the Pharisees were saying and what they were doing was, was in fact ridiculous. It, it does not line up with the truth, and he was troubled by that. But Jesus spoke to this man, and this man listened to Jesus. In verse 9, Jesus says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is a shepherd. And in verse 11, we learn that he is the good shepherd. Um, but here he says he is also the door. I am the door. Like the door of the sheepfold by which the sheep enter into a place of safety, Jesus is the way into the kingdom where you will find ultimate safety. These would have been very helpful and comforting and encouraging words for the blind man who could now see. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, and they kicked this man out of the synagogue. But as we said before, Jesus sought him out and opened not only his physical eyes, but his spiritual eyes as well. And now Jesus, Jesus tells him, I, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is telling this man, I, I won't kick you out. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will lead you. Enter the kingdom of heaven by me, and you will be safe. You'll be cared for. It's beautiful, comforting words to this man born blind who can now see. Verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus is not like that. The thief will take from your life. He will demand from you. He will be harsh with you. And in fact, the thief will bring utter ruin to your life. Who, who, is, who is the thief that Jesus speaks of here? I think certainly this would include Satan himself. The, the devil roams the earth looking for people to devour. That's, that's what he does. But the thief can work out his plan with little thieves, which can include any voice or any false god or any man-made idol or man-made philosophy that will lead you away from the person and the teaching of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 9, we read, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to christ for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily Jesus wants to say to you this morning, watch out for those who would lead you away from him. And 
lead, lead you away from knowing and believing that he is your only hope and he is your only salvation. Watch out so that you are not led astray by any other voice that would want to diminish the value and the work of Jesus Christ. That happens in, in many different ways. It can happen with legalism where you begin to believe and you think and you're convinced that God will accept you only by your performance, by you doing certain things, and that, and that God's love for you is de dependent upon how well you live your life. That's not where we get our hope. Our hope comes from Jesus, who was perfect in every way in our place. He was righteous. And he went to the cross as a spotless lamb and was sacrificed and paid the penalty for our sin in full so that we can be justified by faith, not by works. God accepts us based upon the work that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. That gives us hope. And, and there's nothing that we can do or not do that will change that work that Jesus has accomplished once and for all. For those who believe. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. For his glory alone. It's a wonderful thing. And so this notion of us needing to make rules or even to keep the commands of God in order to gain the merit of God is, is false and it's nonsense. That can be a voice that will lead you away from and minimize this glorious work that Jesus has done for us. The, the one who is the door. We enter through him into a place that is safe. It's the work that he does. We, we can also be led away from Jesus through man-centered worship. Man-centered worship is rampant today, where this notion that we gather together so that we can feel better. And so everything about the service is centered around what man needs and what man wants rather than recognizing that there is a God who is worthy of glory and praise and he created us and he saved us so that we would be a people who live and delight in living for the praise of his glory. So the reason that we come together is for us to tune our hearts to sing his praise. And, and that's why we worship. We, we, we benefit from that. He is our delight. But what drives us isn't centered upon what we want or what we think we deserve. What drives us is what God deserves and what God commands. Man-centered worship can lead you away from the glorious reality of Jesus Christ. Materialism. Um, I think this was mentioned in Black and White Christmas last night a few times. How, how Christmas can um, just kind of, uh, materialism at Christmas can just uh, sink its hooks into our heart. And we get bombarded with messages that you need this and you need this and you need that. And, and everything that is marketed is, is sold in such a way that you can't be happy unless you purchase it. And, and so 
it is easy to give in to these desires of our heart to to fill our hearts and to set our hearts upon things rather than upon Jesus and and to be convinced that you know what things no matter how new or how shiny will never ever satisfy the desires of the heart like Jesus only Jesus can really satisfy the deep longings of our heart we, we live also in an age where it is very popular and it is very common to say there's one God but there's many ways to that one God and and the glory of Christ is diminished when people believe that and the work of Christ is stolen from when you believe that there, there are many sincere good people who all believe in the same God, and it really doesn't matter how you get there as long as you end up with that one, a relationship with that one God. And, and Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came and said, I am the door, and he who enters through me will find life and find it abundantly. That's good news. You and I can also be guilty of idolatry in so many different ways. You know, we are really kind of a pathetic people, if you really think about it. You know, when, the, when sheep are, um, God, God uses sheep to describe us, it's like, that's a great picture because they're helpless, they're, they're hapless, they get lost, they wander, uh, they get stuck easily. If they fall onto their back, they can't even sit upright uh, without the help of a shepherd. You and I can look at all of the good things that God gives, and he gives many good things that ought to cause our hearts to give thanks to him for the, the many ways that he gives us good things to enjoy. But when we begin to enjoy the gifts and we ignore the giver, that becomes a big problem. That becomes a huge problem when we our hearts are enamored and captured by the gifts and we ignore the giver we can begin to look at good things that god has given and and place so much expectation upon those good things to satisfy our hearts that we set ourselves up for disappointment and hurt um, it can happen with marriage it can happen with family it can happen even with church and the relationships that we have with one another. Only Jesus is good. Only Jesus is perfect. Only Jesus is able to really satisfy the, the deep longings of our heart. And so we, we need to be thankful for the good things that he gives, but know that only him, only Jesus, uh, can really satisfy we also, in, in this day, need to be careful. Um, you know, we, we encounter a lot of problems. We, we're, we can be broken people. Uh, we are broken people, and we need a Savior. And, and we live in a world where we interact with people who experience brokenness in all kinds of ways. And we, we have to be careful not to look for answers in wrong places. There, there are places that we can go to find answers about why I'm anxious and why I'm given to fear and why I'm depressed and, and, and why I lack purpose in life that, that won't lead us to Christ. And, and we need to be careful to find counsel and to seek wisdom that is, is, is just laced with 
with the person and the work of Jesus Christ because uh, he, he promises life abundant. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But in the second half of verse 10, Jesus says that he comes to have life and for you to have it abundantly. Uh, Jesus is emphatic here. He says, I came to give you life, and the life that I give is rich and full. It's abundant. The, the life that Jesus gives is better than any other life. It's, it's built upon grace. Jesus gives freely when you have nothing good to offer. Jesus accepts you based upon what he did for you, not what you must do. Jesus is motivated by love for you. He, he gives what is best for you. He knows what is best for you. His work in you will enable you to know and enjoy and to be satisfied and to glorify him um, and to glorify the Father in heaven. Look, I, I want you to know, I, this text tells us, I want you to be convinced this morning that the life Jesus gives is the very best life today um, not not because not because it's problem free but because he's with us in the problems in our weakness we experience more of him as Jesus works in us and lives with us by his spirit we grow in understanding and conviction that no matter what happens in my life, I will be okay because he is with me. And he will be glorified in my life when I'm more satisfied with him than anything else or anyone else. He is a faithful, good, sweet presence in my life. When Jesus and his disciples first saw the man born blind in the beginning of chapter 9 the disciples asked who sinned this man or his parents since he was born blind and Jesus says neither but that the works of God might be displayed in him um, driving to black and white Christmas last night uh, David Isabel was was with us and his wife Susan was in the play she was that sweet kind submissive wife to Ted if you remember David um, as uh, certainly our church knows maybe others know as well is on undergoing uh, treatment right now for uh, a brain tumor a cancerous brain tumor and uh, David has said to me again and again, and uh, he said it again last night, I can't imagine going through this without faith. David knows God could choose to heal him completely. David also knows, and he talks about and rests in the truth that even if God chooses not to heal him physically right now, he will be okay. Why is that? It's because his hope is in Jesus alone. 
for this life and, in fact, for the life to come. If, if David is given many more years of life on this earth, that is great. Praise God for that. On that day, whenever it is that David enters into glory, he can also say, great, may Jesus be praised. David says it this way all the time with me. He says, it is a win-win situation. That doesn't mean that he doesn't struggle at times. That means there are times he does struggle, but in that struggle, Jesus meets him there, and Jesus ministers grace to him so that he's comforted by the presence and the promise of Jesus. I, I can't, I'm with David, I can't imagine life without Jesus. I shudder to think about where I would be today without Jesus. I, I don't even want to think about my existence after death without Jesus. Jesus is Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our life. He he came. We celebrate his his coming at Christmas. He came so that we can have life and have it abundantly. Praise God for that. In Jesus we are forgiven. The guilt of our sin is gone. We're we're justified. We're accepted by God, a holy God has provided a way for us as sinners, rebels against God, to, to boldly enter into his presence and live. And in Christ, we are set apart and we belong to God. We're, we're adopted into his family. He has given us his name. We, we are being progressively transformed. Little by little, we're growing and changing. That gives, a, that gives me hope for, for me. That gives me hope for you that together, because of Jesus, we are being progressively transformed. That we understand our identity. Jesus is our identity. He is our life. We understand in Jesus our purpose. Apart from Jesus, we have no clue why we were created and why we exist here on this earth. It's only when we know Jesus that we have purpose. And we know why we exist. It is in Jesus that we are empowered for the work of being his ambassador. We, we have been called to represent him by the way that we live and by the things that we speak. We are here to represent Jesus in Jesus. We know and enjoy God. In Jesus, we have peace and joy and life, and we have it abundantly. So who, who is it that needed to hear these things that Jesus said? Certainly, it was the man born blind who could now see. He was thrown out of the synagogue. But he was ushered into God's kingdom. He's going to be okay. 
The Pharisees needed to hear what Jesus had to say. They needed to be confronted with the reality that, that though they thought they were speaking for God, they were in fact thieves and robbers, and they needed to repent. The disciples certainly needed to hear this. They, they were being called to influence people to become followers of Jesus. And they needed to know and they needed to be convinced that there is no better life than to have a life in Jesus. You need to hear what Jesus has to say this morning. Why is it that you need to hear this truth about Jesus when he says, I am the door of the sheep? Well, there, there aren't many ways of God, what many ways to God. There is one way to God, and it's Jesus. Jesus has the right to provide the entrance into the kingdom for you. Jesus provides the only entrance into this abundant life where there's rest and security. And this morning, you must be aware that there are many other voices competing for your allegiance to Jesus. We, we live in a world where there uh, are many, many people who are aggressively speaking against Jesus and his kingdom. And I was once there. I can remember my college days, uh, a guy that moved in right across the, the hallway from me began to do a Bible study and invited me to come, and I wanted nothing to do with it. And when he had a Bible study, I did everything I could to disrupt him. I was there. But Jesus sought me out, and he saved me. And he's put a, a, a desire in my heart to listen only to his voice and to follow him. And we have to, we have to stay focused on that desire. It, it's important for you to know that Jesus, Jesus considers it a great privilege and a great responsibility of his to lead you, to, to take you where he wants you to go, to, to feed you, to nourish your soul, to, to care for you, to, to, to bind up your wounds when you get caught in sin, and to protect you. He's not a thief or a robber. He's, he's a shepherd. He, he is the way into a place where you are secure. Jesus wants you to know that. It's important for you to know that Jesus gives abundant life. Jesus isn't a killjoy. Jesus isn't interested in making your life miserable. I can remember as a kid, I used to think, I don't want to be a Christian. That sounds like a boring life. When I read through the, the Bible, I see all of these things that I can't do. I can't do this. I can't do that. And, and I thought about the Christian life in that way until God opened my eyes and I understood that the Christian life was about a relationship with the God who created the universe and sustained the universe and who sent Jesus to rescue me and bring me back into a relationship with, with him. That is the abundant life. Listening to any other voice will harm you. Now, even like with legalism, you know, one of two things is going to happen with legalism. If, if you're convinced that you have to keep a certain set of rules man-made or, or even scripture in order to gain the merit and favor of God, 
you're either going to do really, really good and be really, really proud, or you're going to do really, really bad and you're going to end up in despair. Well, when we listen to the wrong voice, we always end up at the wrong place. Jesus has come and he has spoken so that we can be, uh, we know the way into safety, a way into protection. So let me ask you this morning, who, who do you listen to? And I, I encourage you, listen to Jesus. Who, who do you follow? And again, I encourage you, follow Jesus. He, he, Jesus, will care for you. He will care for you like none other. Listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. And as we sit together uh, this morning, as we eat a meal together, let's pray for one another. It's Let's encourage one another, and especially during the Christmas, that, that we, will, we will, by God's grace, keep Jesus as the center of our joy. Let's pray together. Father, we, we are so thankful to be together this morning. And we're here because you sought us out, even as you did the blind man. We're here this morning because you've given us eyes to see the, the, the need that we have for a Savior and the glorious provision of Jesus as the only Savior, the only one who provides entrance into a kingdom where there is security and rest and peace. Father, thank you for the grace that you have given to us in Jesus uh, thank you for this undeserved privilege to know you through faith in him. Uh, we're, we're here together today with hearts that are overflowing with thanksgiving because of all that you have done for us. Help us, help us, Father, to be a people that keep you at the center of our longing, the center of our joy um, all year long, but especially, especially at Christmas this year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.